What's going on, guys? Welcome on in to Second and Short. These are what we like to call our cheap seats. Uh, pretty much our opinions from up top when it's really hard to see everything down on the field. We got you guys with our opinions. With all that being said, I am your host, Tyler Lauder. He is Mosaic MC East. Jason Teasley, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Ramping up. This is my most hectic week. Uh, I've got my birthday, my anniversary, and four four in-person drafts. It is a, that sounds like a busy week. It sounds like just kind of a take off the week and that's your vacation type time. Really? Uh, nah, nah, I know how to work. It's all about time management. Time mm-hmm. management is key. And understanding wife. Yes, 100%. And I think what I'm trying to figure out how I can tie that in and everything with today's episode, we're going to continue our series of ADP values. And now we're talking at this point, the first three episodes are breaking down in groups of 50 of four players in that range. And this episode's no different. We're going to talk about four players getting drafted between 151 to 200. Uh, Pretty much we're talking about guys that get drafted in the mid 12th round, all the way to guys that we're going to talk about a guy here that on average in 16 16 person um, rosters is actually not even getting drafted. But with all that being said, let's kind of just go ahead and dip on in and let's see how you guys can manage your time at the end of the draft here. There we go. See, I, I kind of brought it around. I see, I see, right? I see how the connectivity. Yeah, right. Okay. So our first guy that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about wide receiver Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is getting drafted as wide receiver 63. He has an ADP of 166, which is good for round 14, pick eight. So we're talking if you play with defense and kickers, potentially your last positional player that you're going to draft. And all these guys will fit that mold of last positional player you're going to draft. Let's talk about why Rondell Moore is a value to start off. For me, DeAndre Hopkins is gone for six weeks. So value. Zach Ertz is up in age. They bring in McBride. So maybe McBride starts getting more snaps, which means McBride's not going to be the trusted option that Ertz is for Murray. Uh, On top of that, we don't know Marquise Brown. Maybe Marquise Brown gets dealt with some type of punishment. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, But he's really going to stretch the field. And I think Rondell Moore could be this guy that had an early breakout age, you know, at Purdue, where he was electric as a freshman, could come on in and have some solid weeks before Hopkins jumps back in. Yeah, and he works uh, a lot of those short intermediate routes Mm -hmm. that are going to benefit because you're going to have Hollywood stretching the field. That's going to open up your secondary to be susceptible to a lot of intermediate routes, which is where Rondell Moore would excel, especially when he gets the ball in his hands. He is does have a second gear that is elusive. Uh, he's got great footwork from what we've seen in college. Not so much in the pro, but it's, it's there. He's still a developmental. Wide receivers, on average, take two to three years to develop in the NFL. This is, this is where we're going to start seeing him make the strides to be the electric player he was in college, to get a, adapted to the game, get adapted to Murray, and know, know how to read defense. Because NFL, defenses are much more difficult because you got a higher cal- caliber player. So Rondell Moore, with the suspension, he's automatically the wide receiver too there. Mm-hmm. Automatically, he slots in there. So this is a player that you can grab really late in your draft. He has a couple of booms 
games that you know people that may be looking for wide receiver depth or or wide receiver three would start sending you offers and you can capitalize on that and that's what we're talking about here because our motto is is go out and make trades this is someone that once he has a couple of good games you're going to have people salivating to get a deal done with yeah, and you might be able to look at a situation where you're able to, and this is going to obviously be a push and everything, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but uh, you might have a receiver that was drafted in the top like 25 spots that kind of has a, a poor start to the season, as there is at every position. We see this, and Rondo Moore has the opportunity to get tons of targets here and to really have a chance to kind of just take hold of, the, like you said, the second receiver there marquise brown i feel like isn't going to dominate in targets the good thing about this here is that you're not drafting Rondell Moore. anybody that we talked about today you're not drafting to start the whole point of them is to just fill out the bottom of your roster and there's for one or two things either they're really good situation for your bye week you run into a, a really bad week worth some of your starters uh they're a guy that has high upside that you potentially could slot in if they get hot or you use them as trade chips and I think if an opportunity where maybe you can do a two for one with somebody, which is more so dynasty, I feel like is easier to do. Redraft that we're yes. talking about here is, is harder to do two for ones because then somebody has to drop somebody. But I mean, if you draft somebody in like the fifth, sixth round, we're talking guys, you know, in the range of like Portland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf. Maybe DK Metcalf gets off to a really slow start after week two and in week three you sit around and go well rondo moore is the wide receiver 22 right now i'll give you rondo moore and x for dk metcalf and somebody might be able to do that with you because they're zero and two dk metcalf is supposed to be their starter he's not performing uh rondo moore's got a role secure now even if hopkins comes back i think rondo moore is going to do better than he did last year uh, he saw he saw plenty of of touches on the field he had like 20 rushes he had like 20 kick returns. He had like 20 punt returns. Uh, plus he had a handful of targets out there. So I just, I just see that he's going to be involved no matter what. If you have specialty leagues that, that encourage those points for all those other things, his value goes up, obviously. But I just see him only playing 14 games and having a really small role as a rookie uh, throughout some of the games. And he finishes as wide receiver 67. Uh, I don't see how he couldn't finish you know, 10 to 15 spots higher just by natural growth I'm not even talking about a breakout here i'm just talking him getting 65 targets and getting 20 rushes again that one touchdown is probably going to go up and now we're looking at a guy that is inching towards that wide receiver four range yeah and as you said the people we we hear get here is primarily in my opinion is you want that depth that if something does happen, you can plug these players in and they can still contribute to, and help you win games. You don't want to devalue these bench spots because for drafting later rounds and being able to secure a, a nice bench can win you a championship. Yeah, it can. Now let's move on to somebody else here that is getting drafted as a backup, but potentially could have some really good momentum as a starter. Uh, this is going to be talking about tight end Evan Ingram, who right now is sitting at tight end 21, uh, ADP of 179, getting drafted at round 15, pick nine. He's brand new to Jacksonville. Uh, this guy is, is, has progressively gotten worse in fantasy finishes every year from uh, being tight end five 
all the way to 13, 18, 17, goes a little up and then drops the tight end 24. Um, he is yet, he's only played one complete season and that was in 2020. But I mean, him having a, a top five finish kind of stood around on him hitting 115 targets. After that, his targets dipped under 70 for two years in a row. So we're looking at Jacksonville, a team that I think is going to throw the ball a lot, like a lot. I think they're going to be losing in a lot of games. I think Jacksonville is a real, personally, this is sidebar and everything, a real sleeper to be that seventh seed in the playoffs, just because I believe in Trevor Lawrence so much. And I believe that if everything else gets better around there, but uh, let's go ahead and just jump on in. Why do you think Evan Ingram is a great value in the 15th round at tight end 21? Yeah, uh, and as a Giants fan, I, I went through the troubles of Edmund Egram and discussing him, the talent is there, but the the health concerns are are an issue. But he has the talent. He can be a big body. He shows that he can produce. And I think matching him up in Jacksonville is going to be a huge upside because Trevor Lawrence is still learning. You still got that learning curve. You bring in a veteran tight end that's an upgrade over uh, O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, it's O'Shaughnessy. He's also competing uh, with, with Dan Arnold, though. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you stack those up, you're going to be kind of leaning toward Ingram because of, of the experience and the ability. Uh, and I think this is going to be a good thing because he's going to be able to get those out routes, those 510 yard out routes that he thrives in and that he did learn to get in New York uh, and, you know, his rookie year, get that tight end five position. But this is a situation that a lot of people are knocking on because they don't believe in Jacksonville, not Trevor. They don't believe in Trevor Lawrence. They don't believe in Jacksonville as a whole. I watched them play a Bills team that everybody thought was Super Bowl contenders and they beat them. They, the defense beat them. It wasn't an exciting game. Nope. It, uh, it was not an exciting game. Trust me. And sitting in the stands watching it, it was even less exciting. But this defense is sneaky. That's what people don't get. So if they could get a few just key wins and just kind of get on the same page, you've got ETN coming back, which is going to open up that offense a little bit more, uh, who's a pass catcher back out of the backfield. We don't know what we don't know what the cons were thinking when they signed all these receivers when you had much better receivers on the market, but they could be looking at something we don't know. A because thing, I'm, gonna jump in, I'm gonna jump in real quick. The big thing here with Evan Ingram that we're talking about here is as a value in the 15th round is that this is obviously a, a no risk situation, all reward in the 15th round. But what we really have to talk about here is, is the, the the pros and cons. Health is a big concern. Can he stay on the field? Well, with them having so many weapons, he might not have to be forced to playing as much as he did with New York. He also, being such an athletic profile tight end, can obviously fit himself into the slot, in which he did in New York fairly often. Yes. And I think his competition, that's where they're going to be looking at red zone. They're going to be able to use Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram at the same time uh, because you know Arnold has a really good ability in the red zone to get touchdowns but Ingram can bounce out to the slot where now they have a big body slot receiver and they just kind of say sorry to one of the other three, you know, in, um, well, actually probably Marvin Jones probably says out there with his size, but you know, Christian Kirk uh, or Zay Jones probably gets to nod out LaVesca Chenault bounce back so we can get our bodies in there that can post up on these guys. And if he can match up in the slot more, 
I think going against some of those nickel backs, he's going to be able to dominate over the middle if he can stay healthy. We have to play devil's advocate here. Uh, for me, yeah. he's, he's not a guy I'm 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 personally going to draft anywhere. I know you're going to draft, and the reason why we're like you're saying to draft is because tight end twenty one is where he's, he's falling. Um, he's projected somewhere like tight end twenty five. A late round guy like that uh, easily can just kind of if he hits, you look like a genius in that situation. But if he misses, you're just dropping your last guy in the bench, and so you're okay. Right, and I think uh, he's going to be very touchdown dependent, like you were saying, and that's what I, I was going into. His the receivers they brought in were not big body receivers, so having Ingram with that size in the red zone is going to be a beneficiary because he's going to there's it's going to create a mismatch. He's either going to be on a smaller defensive back or a less athletic linebacker depending on what, what they're running, running him out of. So this is going to be very touchdown dependent. I see just based on touchdowns, he could move up in the tight end 14 range. Yeah, I mean, we could see a situation where if he gets like at least six, seven touchdowns, which I think is, is doable. This team's going to be yeah. trying to, I think they're going to score more points this year. Pers- I, I just do. I think this offense is going to flow. Um, I think they have a lot of talent all over the place that's not top-tier talent that is going to allow them to I mean, Lawrence is just going to spread the ball like crazy. I think a lot of people are going to feed in this offense, uh, which is a pro and a con. It means that they're going to be scoring a lot of points. They're going to be moving the chains a lot. Um, cons because it could be anybody's day that day type thing. But if you can develop a reputation and a, a rapport with Lawrence in that red zone, it'll continue through the whole season. And finishing inside, at least inside the top 20, it is, is foreseeable. Uh, and then... Pushing that even further, I, I could see him reaching towards that tight end 14, 15 range. I'd be okay with that. And now let's talk about another guy that you really like. This is a, this is our, we're talking to the 16th round now. So 14, 15, 16. We didn't even do this on purpose. This is just kind of how it happened. 16th round. We're talking about running back Brian Robinson Jr., running back 55 with an ADP of 192, which is good for round 16, pick 12, ADP, the final pick in the draft. And this guy was a third-round pick this past year, and he's kind of getting some hype in camp, and maybe we're getting fooled, but you don't think we are. You think this is this is legit. Yeah, I, I'm going to be leading this hype train with Robinson here on the show because, yes, the Antonio Gibson fumble issues, it's not a new thing. It's, it's known. Uh, but, Ron Rivera, this offense can handle three backs. Um, and I think this is where you're going to see a dip in Gibson's value and Robinson's value going up. McKissick stayed in Washington for a reason. He's a pass-catching back. But you've got two similar style backs in Robinson and Gibson that play similar, very similar. So you're going to see them running the hot hand. And I think this leans more toward Robinson than Gibson because he's a – He's going to be a short down, a short yardage back, which means goal line carries. Goal line carries is going to be huge with him. Uh, he is slightly an okay pass catcher back, but nowhere on in the realm of McKissick. But this is someone that I think is going to create havoc like the New England backfield, where you don't know who to play what week. And I think they're going to ride the hot hand more often than not which benefits Robinson greatly. He's got a really good 
camp. Everybody's uh, hyping him up, including myself, trying to get him in a lot of leagues and a lot of my dynasty leagues. And this is somebody that I think that if you grab just as a handcuff, you're going to reap the benefits later on the season. It might not pay off early in the season, but I'm thinking around your week seven or eight is where you're going to see the biggest benefits coming out of Robson. Yeah, and so where where Brian Robinson could benefit is there's there's a couple aspects. Um, JD McKissick is 29 years old now. He missed five five or six games last year. Only played in 11. Um, so I mean that's obviously not an injury problem. Um, but it's something to be concerned about because injuries as you reach the tail end of your career, especially 29 for a running back, they start to just happen and reoccur and they start nagging and now it's like, well, why take the risk? So Robinson could slot in there and get a little benefit. Also, Gibson, we've it's been documented the the fumble issue, regardless if he's losing 100% of his fumbles or not, if they're regaining them, having fumble issues is just a problem and something that, especially a coach like Ron Rivera, doesn't like to to deal with. Uh, Brian Robinson comes in, you know, he's a very disciplined player, obviously playing from Alabama. That's just natural, right? And so we have a situation where he's kind of waiting for something to happen uh i was i was listening to some other people earlier um this like past two weeks i think it was and it was fantastic um for who i was listening to but they were kind of talking about like when you when you deal with handcuffs and I, I agree with this is that you don't actually draft your handcuff you draft somebody else's handcuff because they become valuable for you like if if you draft a handcuff like if you draft gibson and then robinson and gibson goes down you don't actually gain anything it's just a neutral move. But if somebody drafts Gibson in like the sixth, seventh round and he gets benched or pulled, Robinson now goes to a starting running back position. Gibson's had two top 15 finishes in his career. Uh, he's played fantastic outside of those fumbles. I think Gibson's still going to be fine this year. I think Robinson's going to sneak in and get some goal line work. And I think Rivera's really going to start tailoring this a little bit more. I think Robinson actually can be a decent pass catcher. Like we just run into situations where there's like, well, they don't catch passes. Yeah, but I mean, Alabama doesn't really, their running backs just, yeah. they, they can catch the ball, but they just don't because they they always have these first round talent wide receivers all in. And if they don't, they have second and third round guys all over the place. So it's like, why why toss it to this guy when these guys, that's they're all such great route runners because they come here to Alabama and that's what we breed is good route runners that can spread, spread the field and they get lots of yards after the catch. And our running backs just come in and just destroy everybody with how quick they are. So. Robinson's a guy that it, I think if you didn't draft Gibson earlier, um, take a flyer on him in the last round of the draft. You have nothing to lose. Uh, his stock can only go up. And if like you're in a keeper draft and you can get a guy that maybe will be their starting running back in 2023 in the 16th round, it's like a really good keeper pick. If he yeah. was, if he was the definite starter next year, that's you got me sold at running back 55. Yeah, and another thing, you know, pointed out about the Alabama thing is their offensive line is massive. They they open up holes for these backs to go through, so they don't need to be pass catching backs because they're going to they're going to ground and pound you. Uh, Walk down the sidewalk, pretty much. Right, and I think that's uh, and that's something that I think Rivera's trying to do in Washington. He's trying to beef up that offensive line to open up holes for these type of running backs. And mm -hmm. Robinson is, they call him the, uh, I read an article, they call him the perfect storm because he is so patient when he's running and a student of the game. 
that when he does get the opportunity, he's taking the most of it. Now let's talk about a guy that is just kind of, he's just a guy, right? He just kind of benefits when other players just don't step up and everything. We're going to go undrafted here. We're going ADP 199 running back Darrell Williams, who is getting drafted as running back 59. Like I said, undrafted. This is after your 16 picks. If, if you go longer than this, then he's, he's, all right, he's sitting in the 17th round. Let's talk about why I think he's a value. First of all, he was running back 18 in PPR formats last year. In overall scoring, yes, I know some people, we talked about this like a couple weeks ago, they like to go by, you know, points per game, which is great if the guy plays, you know, all every game, every game, that's fantastic. But I mean, guys that are playing every game, it matters. Now, why did he finish as running back 18? Well, first of all, Clyde Edwards Hilaire kind of had a dip. He was hurt, couldn't stay in the field. Uh, Kansas City was feeding the ball like crazy, and they have a fantastic offense. He caught 47 passes last year off of 57 targets, and that's a really relevant number right now before we move forward. He had 1,000 total yards and eight total touchdowns. Now, why is 47 of 57 really relevant, Jason? Do you know? Do you know, do you know why I bring it up? <laughs> no, educate me. Because Chase Edmonds last year for Arizona had 43 receptions on 53 targets. Pretty much, I mean, we're looking at four targets and receptions difference. So we're saying there's a real great chance he can legitimately just replicate that, and he's going to finish even if his yards fall down and his touchdowns fall down. He's probably going to finish his running back 30. Getting him at an undrafted, he's your waiver wire. He's the first guy you pick up after you're like, I don't want to kick around my team. Drop him, let me pick up him until I need a kicker. The fact that you can get a guy right there that has RB3, RB2 potential because of his pass catching like prowess, I believe if I'm correct, there was only, like, I think he was like third or fourth in running back receptions last year as the number two in Kansas City. That's insane. So being the number two in Arizona doesn't bother me. I don't care about Eno Benjamin. James Conner, I like the guy a lot. Great story, but he's eventually got to come down, right? He can't always do this. Gerald Williams has a great chance this year to just win some people, some leagues. And I, I legitimately can be a flex option once people actually draft him. Yeah, and this goes back to what we kicked off the show with. Hopkins is out six weeks. Yep. There's targets going to be available. Mm -hmm. This is his bread and butter. This is his wheelhouse. So he's going to average maybe one or two more targets in those six games. He's got a great pass catch rate that he can convert on. So this is going to bump him up even more. So yeah, getting him off the waiver wire is a huge bonus. Yeah, and he could be a guy that maybe somebody else does take him late in the draft because you believe you're going to pick him up right after the draft. And you could use a trade chip to give your number three running back and your number three receiver for somebody else's number two or number one receiver and their number six running back and Daryl Williams, you know, because you don't really need him. He was just the last pick in the draft. Here's, you know, here's, here's Robert Woods and, and Miles Sanders. You give me Michael Pittman and Daryl Williams. You get the overall, your two players are better overall than mine, right? Because they got drafted here. I'm not saying that trade would work. It probably wouldn't. It's just the names I pulled out of my hat. <laughs> uh, but Daryl Williams, I mean, re realistically, let's just repeat these numbers. And I think he's going to finish as a top 36 running back this year, which is 23 spots better than his, than his ADP drafting. And we got to end right there because we're running out of time. We're getting kicked out of the studio. We're not in the studio, but. We're getting kicked <laughs> off our, our Zoom studio. So let's Zoom this up. Second and short, 
fantasy football podcast you know the cheap seats with all the great knowledge from way far away when you can't see and there's no clarity we clear it up for you i am ty lauder he's jason teasley subscribe down below follow along give us five stars on whatever audio platform you listen to us and see us on tiktok instagram facebook and as the season ramps up jason's going to be on twitter all the time retweeting your trades retweet and dm us everything he's going to be putting up polls putting up hypotheticals questions like crazy yeah and once we get this content rolling i mean definitely give us a shout out in your leagues come back for more fantasy football content and we want to be that that voice of reason to help you win your leagues this year and with all that being said thank you and get out there and make some damn trades <laughs>